one of the things that I try to say to encourage people that the church has declined, Wayne, so much in the UK. But what that means is that the hangers-on to church have gone. And what you're left with is a hard core of people who really love Jesus. This is First Person. Welcome to this week's conversation. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and today we'll talk with Colin Smith, pastor and speaker on the radio program Unlocking the Bible. Colin has written a book about the story of the thief on the cross whom Jesus said he would see in paradise. We'll talk about that in just a moment. These interviews are for the purpose of listening to the various ways that God works in the lives of people to accomplish his purposes. And if you're unfamiliar with our website, firstpersoninterview.com, you'll find there scores of conversations on this theme archive for listening anytime. We also have released an iPhone app where you can download any program and take it with you as you commute to work or school. Look for the iPhone app by searching First Person Interview in the App Store and look for the Android version coming shortly. Well, Colin Smith is the pastor of The Orchard, a growing church in the Chicago area with several campuses. Colin is also the author of Heaven, How I Got Here, Telling the Story of the Thief on the Cross. As Colin sat down with me in the studio recently to talk, we began with his own story, and I asked him about his place of birth. Well, that would be in Edinburgh, Scotland. I was born into a Christian home, uh, brought to church from uh, earliest days, came to uh, a personal profession of faith in Christ at the age of five. Uh, I remember a children's talk um, being given by uh, the pastor in the little Baptist church that I grew up in. And uh, the following morning, uh, me saying to my father, I, I-, I want to become a Christian. Uh, the pastor had said, you know, being in a Christian family doesn't make you a Christian. <laughs> and uh, it- it's always encouraged me about the importance of speaking directly yeah, to children sure. and never assuming that simply because a child is in a Christian family that they have the root of faith. Never underestimate. Yeah, but there was a work of grace that looking back, I see, began in my life at that time. So I'm very thankful for it. And then uh, growing up, did you have a desire to preach? Did that come at an early age? Yeah, I uh, uh, early on, uh, I wanted to be a pastor. I remember speaking to my own pastor about that. I think I was 12 years old. And uh, he said, you know, what a, you would expect a pastor to say, oh, well, you know, uh, don't do that if you feel you want to, but only if you feel you can't do anything else. I think the classic sort of Spurgeon uh, advice. Um, but it stayed with me. It grew stronger over the years. And uh, then I went and studied at what was then called London Bible College. Mm-hmm. Uh, met my wife Karen there, and uh, then uh, things moved, moved from then. Mm-hmm. When did you come to the States? Uh, that is now nearly 20 years ago, uh, 1996. And uh, I've only served two churches, Wayne, uh, and they've both been wonderful churches. After uh, studying in London, uh, I served an evangelical free church in Enfield, and uh, it was 150 people when we went there. I was 23 years old, and uh, we were three weeks married. So it was kind oh, of plunged goodness. into to the deep end, you know? I guess so. But uh, in the mercy of God, um, the ministry was blessed, and we're very grateful to have served there. And now we're serving the Orchard and have been here for the last, uh, what, 19 years now. Yeah, it wasn't called the Orchard then, but did that church call you from, from England then? Or how did, yeah, that, how did was that work? An, it was an unusual providence. The first uh, connections that I had over the States here were through friendships uh, with Warren Wearsby and also oh. with Stuart Briscoe. And they well, invited name me to dropper, come huh? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, they were very kind coming over to England and 
Stuart particularly said, you've got to come and see what we're doing at Elmbrook. And uh, he opened his home, had me stay there with him for a week. And uh, I got to know some leaders of the Evangelical Free Church of America because they were sending missionaries over to the UK at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, through a network of connections, came to know my predecessor, Greg Waybright, at the Arlingtonites Free Church. And uh, that was the beginning of a chain of events that uh, the Lord used to bring us here. There has to be a story of coming to the U.S. and uh, the the experience was not quite what you expected or perhaps was unexpected in some ways. How did it, how did it, did you have children when you came here? Uh, yes, they were 10 and uh, and 8 and uh, adopted the accent much more quickly than uh, either Karen or I did. Um, you know, the, the church were wonderfully welcoming to them. I, I can't say enough about that. You know, to belong to the body of Christ is Cult- a wonderful Culturally, though, thing. I mean, what was happening? What was going on? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, children adapt very, very quickly. Uh, I have a friend, an Indian friend, Raju Abraham. The first time he invited me out to India, he said, now look, going to another culture is like getting on a slide. If you're going to hold the edges and have your feet flat to the surface, you're not going to enjoy this and you might as well not do it. If you're going to get on a slide, let yourself go. That is great advice. (laughs) It was wonderful advice for anyone going on a missions trip. And uh, I held that as uh, good advice coming here. Um, In many ways, there are are, are similarities. In many ways, there are differences. But at the end of the day, you know, the human spirit, the human soul, um, there's more in common universally um, uh, between us than uh, than that which makes us different. Yeah. It's been many years since I was in the UK, but I was was, uh, frightened about driving in the UK. How did you adapt to driving (laughs) Well, that's probably because you hired a car coming out of Heathrow, which I always think for anyone coming and uh, driving on the other side of the road... (laughs) Uh, That must be absolutely uh, uh, terrifying. Did you take to it right away? Well, my usual answer to uh, driving on the other side of the road is this is the argument against a gradual approach to change. (laughs) (laughs) So your ministry these years at The Orchard, that's the church now in the Chicago area that you serve. Of course, you have a national radio ministry, Unlocking the Bible. Tell me about uh, ministry today and, and life today. Yeah, um, uh, the radio ministry came out of the elders of the church um, saying, uh, uh, you know, we should uh, consider doing this. And I remember one of the elders saying to me when I was uh, sort of humming and hawing about it, so to speak, he, uh, he said, well, why wouldn't you want to do this? And I thought, oh, yes, we are in the United States of America. <laughs> uh, we've been very grateful. What a wonderful privilege it is, Wayne, to be able to uh, share the good news of the gospel with many, many people. And it's wonderful to uh, receive feedback from people who say we're really hungry for the Bible mm. and uh, want to see Jesus Christ in the Bible. And that's what Unlocking the Bible is all about. If you open the Bible, you have Jesus Christ. He's the center of all things. Uh, what's the point in preaching that doesn't get to Jesus Christ. Amen. That's very, very fundamental uh, in, in my thinking about uh, this calling. Um, but it arises out of the local church and uh, so blessed to be part of the uh, Orchard, uh, which is now four campuses in the greater Chicago area. Uh, two small churches that would have uh, closed uh, became part of us, um, uh, the original campus at Arlington Heights and then one that we started in Barrington. So we've been very, very blessed. You're also very committed to seeing young uh, pastors come along and develop young pastors, give young pastors the opportunity yeah. to speak and to preach. Well, multi-site is often done simply by taking a video and and transporting sort of one speaker into another place, and and uh, that's a good model in many situations. It's not 
the one that we've gone. We we use some of it, um, but I'm very concerned to see next generation uh, pastors and preachers developed, and so that's part of what we're doing at the Orchard, and we use a hybrid of these two, and uh, that has worked well for us. And uh, the proportions change each year, um, and that gives us an opportunity to be word-centered without being personality-centered. Mm-hmm. So if a 12-year-old came to you today and said, I want to be a pastor, what would you say to that young person? <laughs> I'd give him encouragement to keep pursuing after that. And if God strengthens that desire in his heart, uh, then to go for it. Uh, we need next generation pastors who are really committed to the Bible, uh, really committed to the centrality of Christ, and really know something about the fear of the Lord. That's a huge category for us to have a sense of awe of God and of his greatness and what what it means to live before him um, and to walk through life in that way. These are the big things. In these past 20 years, you've seen so much change in the culture all mm. around us, and we seem to be swimming upstream many yeah, times yeah. in the church. What is your approach to Scripture in these times? Um, well, I think the first thing is just that it, it ends up being validated more than ever by the change. You know, I, I think even 20 years ago here uh, to say – uh, the sinful heart is hostile towards God, Romans 8, 7. I think most people would, uh, would say, no, 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 that's not the case. You know, most people are kind of benevolent towards God or the, uh, neutral perhaps, you know. I think nowadays people are beginning to see, hey, what the Bible said is true, that um, uh, in the depth of the human heart, there is a remarkable hostility towards God. And now we're seeing it come out in a hostility towards Christians. We're just seeing the evidence that what the Bible Bible said all along is true. We've lived under uh, a sort of veneer of thin um, Christianity Mm. um, and the veneer is being stripped away. Um, One of the things that I try to say to encourage people comes from the UK context, that the church has declined, Wayne, so much in the UK. But what that means is that the hangers on to church have gone. And what you're left with is a hard core of people who really love Jesus. It's kind of purified the church. Well, it does. And it also brings out in time a new vigor because there's more prayer. There's more of a sense of, well, we obviously can't do this, Mm -hmm. um, which is very different from the American uh, we can yeah, do this pull kind ourselves of up by our own bootstraps. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so some of these things can change, and uh, God is sovereign over all the winds, even the winds that are blowing against yeah. us. Are you concerned about the future of the church in America? Uh, no, because Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I, I hope and pray that there will be a purifying of the church. It might become smaller. Um, it may well then become more vigorous. I remember Ajith Fernando, I had a wonderful conversation with him and he preached in our church. He said, you know, for years, um, the church was in a place of favor uh, in Sri Lanka. Uh, you know, seats in government house and all this kind of thing, being in the place of influence and life was fine, but very few conversions. Then the British get thrown out of Sri Lanka. Then you have a radical militant government that comes into power. Then you have Christians in prison and being persecuted, folks being converted all over the place. Well, which would we rather have? Um, I, I think we're being moved into a different kind of an environment, and it's one in which Christians are going to have to stand up. There's going to be more obvious cost, and I suspect there'll be many more people converted. Pastor Colin Smith of Unlocking the Bible is our guest today, and we'll continue the conversation on First Person.
In cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, we're now producing the daily radio program FEBC Today with Ed Cannon. When you click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com or the banner on our new iPhone iPad app for First Person, you'll learn more about what you can do to assist FEBC in taking Christ to the world through radio and new technology. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com or download the First Person smartphone app today. My first person guest today is Pastor Colin Smith of The Orchard in the Chicago area, the host of Unlocking the Bible on the national radio program, and an author of several books, including one that really caught my attention, Heaven, How I Got Here, the story of the thief on the cross. Uh, We'll get to the story of the thief in a moment. The story of this booklet is interesting, as you were telling me before we open the microphones here today. This is uh, an evangelistic book, really, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, The the story of the thief on the cross has for many years, uh, to my mind, been the most helpful way to get clear what the heart of the gospel is. Uh, I find, Wayne, a lot of folks have the idea that, you know, if if I was to get to heaven, it would be by living a good enough life. And the thief's story blows that out of the water. He obviously hadn't lived a good enough life, and he clearly, from the fact that he's at the end of it, is not in a position to start living a good mm-hmm. life. So when Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise, um, this is a paradigm shift um, from what most people tend to think is the way of entering heaven. So it's a great way of opening minds to the story of grace. And I thought um, uh, some time ago, now, what if the thief could tell the story first person, Looking back from heaven. That's what caught my attention. As the host of First Person, I saw this book was written in the first person. I had to talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, that's what we uh, we wrote. I, I suppose the other aha moment was, because we've only got a couple of verses about the thief's interaction yeah, with Jesus. Right. But he died after the Lord Jesus. And we know that because uh, when the soldiers came to break the legs, uh, our Lord had already died. He had said, into your hands. I never I thought about yeah. that detail before. So he died after Jesus, which means he heard every word. one of the words that Christ spoke from the cross. So not only does he hear Christ giving him this great promise of salvation, but then he knows what it is for the whole world to go dark and for him to hear the one he's trusted say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it is finished and into your hands. So uh, this was a way of telling the real story, which is the story of what Jesus Christ accomplished for all of us on the cross, but to do it through the eyewitness account of the person who was closest to him and experienced the whole lot and was conscious right through it uh, until the end. So um, uh, that's why it's a simple book to put in the hands of people who need to know the gospel. Someday you'll meet him in heaven and uh, you'll say, you got that that. right. (laughs) Of course, there were two thieves and uh, the one, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yes. What, yeah. was the, what was the difference between the men? Well, the, the interesting thing to me, Wayne, is uh, first the similarity that uh, both Matthew and Mark record that uh, the two thieves were both hurling abuse at Jesus at the beginning. So here's this fellow who's clearly raging against God. He's raging against the Christ. And then at some point, there's a change that comes over him. And we're not told exactly how and why this was. But I guess a stillness comes over his soul. He realizes, I'm going to pass into eternity. Mm -hmm. And here I am. I'm waving the fist at God. I'm hurling abuse at this one who's regarded as his son. Where is this getting me? What is, where is this coming from? Why is there all this hatred inside of me? Which is a really profound question for anyone who's raging at God. Where is this coming from? 
And he seems to have recognised that Jesus was a king. You know, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And so he reaches out to Jesus with the limited knowledge that he has. And Christ gives to him this amazing promise of grace. Our mutual friend, Michael Card, who teaches the Bible, yeah. talks about using the, the discipline use of the imagination when yes. it comes to Scripture. Yeah. And you really had to fill in the details here. But it's, a, it's fascinating to think there, there had to be something in this man's background. Yeah. There had to be something that, that predispositioned him to respond the way he did, even though he would, his life had taken a different turn. Well, I made the assumption that he was Jewish, um, uh, that therefore he was brought up with uh, a knowledge of the faith and of the Old Testament scriptures. He would have been brought up in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord. And quite clearly, he rebelled against that. I mean, he was a thief. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I put in a little bit of a backstory as to how that, that happened, which obviously is from the imagination. But the key uh, uh, elements of the story are built around the words that Jesus Jesus speaks from the cross and the impact that they have for all of us. And uh, he for sure was included in that. It's a good lesson in Bible study for us, isn't it? To take what little we have, what God has chosen to reveal about that moment, and then to think deeply about it. Yeah, that's right. That, that really is, I mean, the Bible is rich, isn't it? Yeah. And especially when it comes to these seven words that Jesus spoke from the cross. I mean, it seems to me that they uh, give us avenues into the heart of what uh, Which was being accomplished. Which the thieves would have heard and this man responded exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so here's uh, unbelief hearing the same words on the one side and faith hearing the same words on, on the other uh, the other side. Uh, it's, it's a remarkable scene. Yeah. Well, how is God using this? So what have you seen already? It's been out for a while now, right? Yeah. Well, uh, in the Lord's mercy, we've heard many stories of people who've come to faith in Christ uh, through it. And um, uh, originally, actually, it was the telling of this story to uh, someone. I had the opportunity of telling the story to someone um, uh, that, that, that led that person to the Lord. And, and, uh, and, and so okay. th- this is really the key to the thing. It, it's a way of trying to open minds that think they've got it worked out as to how to get to heaven. By the way, did this start as a first-person sermon? Uh, no, it didn't. Um, it started as a series of sermons on uh, the thief on the cross. Okay. Um, and then the question was, how could we get this in a way that would really communicate in a readable manner I to see. people? But people are responding, you're telling me. They, they, they really are. And uh, one of the exciting things that's happened is that Stephen Baldwin, the actor, has read this. Uh, so we've got it in audio form with a, a, a musical sound bed. And then he presented it as a one-person play, which was remarkably compelling uh, as he played the thief on the cross. And we had many people who came and were, were really held, transfixed uh, by the sheer power of the story. Uh, it, it is a marvelous story for communicating the gospel. What have you learned through all of this? I mean, retelling the story the way that you have, what, how has it impacted you personally? I think a fresh glimpse of the, of the power of grace, um, which really is at the heart uh, of, uh, of the story. And of the need that every one of us um, uh, has of it. I mean, here you have this scoundrel, if you like, uh, this person who's lived a wretched life being saved by Jesus. And then uh, at the foot of the cross, you have Mary, the mother of our Lord. And uh, Christ refers to her in his word from the cross, which, of course, would have been heard by the thief already. Mm -hmm. There's the spectrum. You have the best and the worst of humanity equally dependent on the grace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, you're a pastor for 20 years. You're a broadcaster. I don't know how many years you've been a broadcaster. It's, (laughs) it's, it's, It's easy to forget 
that I am as dependent on God's grace now as I ever was and as dependent on God's grace as any person ever will be. Mm-hmm. We never move from that. Mm-hmm. However much sanctification advances in a Christian's life, um, we enter into heaven not with our, our, our flags uh, flying high, uh, but by the sheer mercy and grace of Christ who redeems wretched sinners Amen. and brings them into his presence. Amen. I must never forget that in my life and I must never forget any Christ, uh, allow any Christian to forget that. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, we lose touch with who we are and we lose touch with who Jesus is. Yeah. Well, it gives us great courage too as believers who want to share Christ with people and it's so tempting to write people off and say, oh, they're so hard, so cold, they're never going to listen to me. Yeah. Here's a man, I mean, who is more unlikely yes. to to enter paradise that day than the thief on the cross? That's exactly right. And yet that's Jesus' promise to him. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a tremendous encouragement for the person in our lives who is really hardened to the gospel. Um, uh, so you will think of people, I think of people right now um, who I've been praying for for many, many years, and I find it hard to imagine them ever changing. Well, this guy did. I mean, and he was violently opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ, but grace came to him. And uh, Saul of Tarsus is another example. Um, this is the power of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must never give up hope uh, on a person who seems beyond the pale, so to speak. So do you see us getting this book and using this evangelistically? How do you see us using this book? Yeah, you know, I, I've been greatly encouraged by people's imagination uh, in regards to this. Folks have been saying, uh, give me some, I want to give them away as graduation presents uh, for younger people who may have been brought up with some notion of Christianity, but haven't really found living faith in Christ. Uh, we had someone who came to Unlocking the Bible office and said, uh, my brother has died, he wasn't a Christian, I need a hundred copies to give to everyone at the funeral. Um, so people are using it in all kinds of ways with, with young and with old uh, you can read it in an hour and a half. So, um, and that's probably if you're a slow reader. <laughs> that, that's the audio version. So, uh, um, it's easy to give to someone, and uh, the fact that people are using it uh, to uh, uh, help others come to a grasp of the gospel is very encouraging. Colin, I don't do this often enough, but if someone is listening today and they realize they have not responded to Jesus, they need to respond the way the thief on the cross responded to him. What do they do? Uh, you come to Jesus Christ and you tell him first that you that you need him. Um, this was the great change that took place in the thief on the cross from uh, pushing against Jesus to realizing that Jesus was his only hope. Um, you come and you you ask of him. This was the great thing that the thief did. Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? He's asking of Jesus. Will, will you become my Lord? Will you become my savior? You ask because you believe in him. That's what the thief did. He trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. He believed him to be the king. So you believe, you come. You ask, you turn, uh, and this Jesus Christ will receive you, whatever you've done and however long you've stayed away from him. There's grace in the Savior for you. Um, so come to him today. Don't put it off any longer. You know, some folks uh, talk about the thief on the cross being uh, saved at the last minute. I like to think that he was saved at the first opportunity. <laughs> he found himself next to Jesus and he turned to him. The book we've been talking about with Colin Smith is titled Heaven, How I Got Here. And we'll place links for additional information on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. This conversation and many others are all available for streaming online at our website. Plus, they're available through our smartphone app. 
It's available now in the Apple Store for iPhone and should be available soon in the Google Play Store for Android. And for information about upcoming guests and topics, visit our webpage, firstpersoninterview.com, where you'll find the schedule and the program archive. And take a little time, if you would, to visit and like our Facebook location, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, sharing our goal of telling the gospel story and proclaiming Christ to listeners everywhere. Find out more about FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back next week for First Person. First Person.